And then Blackbird came to me and the mission just is incredible, right? It's to protect against misinformation, disinformation, what we call narrative attacks. That's impacting the world, right? It's impacting every company out there and cyber criminals and hackers and bad actors are using misinformation, disinformation to impact those organizations. And to me, that really hit me hard. I'm like, I want the world to be a better place. I want it to be a better place for my kids. Misinformation, disinformation really, really are bad things that are getting worse because of the use of AI. And if I can have an impact on that, then that's what I wanted to put my whole life into when I go join a new role. But the beautiful thing about Blackbird is that they have an amazing number of stories. Just no one was telling them in a way that people could learn from them and hear from them. And that's what we've been focusing on is telling these stories to educate people to say, these are the true risks out there. This is a new threat vector that companies need to think about. And then I build a marketing plan around that to go tell the world about it. So you can do that with a small team and at the same time, be very impactful to the company. Every SaaS company plays for high stakes, but what does it take to dominate the market right now? Welcome to Paris Talks Marketing, the podcast where we dive deep into the latest trends and strategies in SaaS marketing that are really working today. I'm your host, Paris, and our guests are SaaS CMOs, founders, and specialists, and we discuss one trendy topic in the industry per episode. Ready to unlock the true power of marketing strategy? In this theme, we'll explore the world of cutting-edge marketing strategies and tactics that are shaking up the SaaS industry. We'll share insights on testing new tactics and uncover the latest developments from digital landscape giants like Google, Facebook, and LinkedIn. We'll also explore how AI is revolutionizing the digital landscape and transforming marketing tactics. So grab your headphones and get ready for a marketing strategy masterclass with Paris Talks Marketing. Hi, everyone. Back to another episode of Paris Talks Marketing. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dan Loudon. Dan has over 20 years of strategic experience at the executive level, and he leads the marketing efforts for Blackbird.ai. Blackbird AI protects organizations from narrative attacks that cause financial and reputational harm. Dan's work has helped lead to nine successful exits slash acquisitions across cybersecurity, cloud computing, mobile commerce, Wi-Fi services, robotics, and mobile computing, creating significant value for large enterprises and fast growth companies. So Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, Paris. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Sure thing. I'd like to lead off with a myth-busting question that I've done before. In your, all of your experience, Dan, can you tell me what you've seen as a popular myth in marketing that you think is really not true or that most people have a, a misunderstanding about? And can you help us to bust that myth? Yeah, I mean, I think the majority of marketers truly believe in their product and their brand and what they're doing. And I think there's a myth out there that uh, that there's a lot of marketers that just try to push the latest and greatest message just to, to try to get something sold. In my mind, marketers, especially this is how I've been through my career, is I truly believe in every product that I've ever worked for and the company that I work for, and there's a mission behind it. And that mission is to help people. And the mission, let's say, of Blackbird.ai is to protect them from misinformation, disinformation. We truly believe in that. And we want to get our product and enhance as many people as we can because we think we can help them. We can protect them. And to me, that's that's really, really important for, I think, folks to understand. And I think, you know, that myth is important to bust because 
marketers, especially, you know, things like I've done through my career, really do care and want to build a strategic relationship with our customers. Okay, that's great. And I couldn't agree more with you, Dan. I think that a lot of marketers in our profession are, in some cases, might be stuck pushing a product that they don't really believe in. And I think for all of us in our careers, the most important decision to make as we try to advance ourselves in marketing is to always work with a company, a brand, product, solution, or whatever that we really believe is doing good things, helping people that we can put our hearts into. Exactly right. Exactly. And that will actually help us to become the best marketers that we can be because then it'll be more authentic. Yeah. And I want to look back on my career and be very proud of who I represented, the brands that, you know, I tried to, you know, share with the world and, you know, build the relationships. Some of those customers who I met 30 years ago are still friends today. And it's because of that trust and the relationship that I've built. Yeah. Well, speaking of looking back proudly on your career, I do want to highlight something from your bio that you had. It says nine. Did I get that right? Nine successful exits and or acquisitions. So it seems like you've been compiling a track record of really helping companies to, to make exits, particularly in recent years in cybersecurity. Can you tell, tell me a little bit more about that? Do you have a certain playbook you have executed against that help these companies get to that? Yeah, exactly, Paris. I have, over the years, I've been doing this a long time. I've worked for big companies like IBM and AT&T, but I've been doing startups, fast growth companies since 2001. And over all that time, I've, I've learned a lot of what great things to do, what things not to do, or how to improve on them. And I put them all into what I call my marketing playbook. And to me, it's all the things that I need to do to help a company be successful and be a part of a strategic part of their success in driving value to customers as well as investors and employees of the company. So every company that I, I go and walk into, I, I walk in with this playbook and it changes daily because the world changes daily. But it enables me to have an impact as quickly as possible, right? And it's making sure you understand who your customer is and what their needs are and what their pain points are. And then understanding the message of your company and how your products fulfill that need and be able to say it in the best way possible so people understand it and want to learn more about it. And then you figure out, you know, the 20-some ways, it's beyond that, and it's more complicated than that, but to try to engage and build that relationship with that customer. And if you do that in the right way, you know, the, the chances of you being successful and the company being successful go up substantially. And if you work with all of your colleagues and the other members of the executive team as a team and you have trust within that team and build a great team yourself from a marketing perspective that can really be productive and be effective, then again, the chances of that company being successful go up substantially. There's always a ton of risk, especially in startups, but the startups that have the right product, the right message, the right story, and the right people can be successful. And that's what I've been very fortunate to be a part of over the past 20 some years and these companies that I've helped. You know, some of them, these exits have been very substantial and changed the lives of a lot of people. And others, they've been, they've done well, right? And others, hey, they've recovered a lot of their, you know, initial investments and done okay. But some I've been a part of have also struggled. So every one of those leads me to when I join my next one that I'm more prepared to help them. And uh, I've been fortunate to be a part of a lot of successful exits because of that. And it's been a great adventure and a great journey. 
And it seems as though with Blackbird, you're now getting, you're going back to a company at an early stage. I think you're one of only three people on the marketing team. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. When I joined six months ago, I was the first marketer of the yeah. company. And to me, that's fun. I've done, you know, like I said, the big company thing when I was considering, you know, leaving my last role, I talked to a lot of companies, you know, some in the multi-billion dollar revenue range. And then Blackbird came to me because of, through an investor that I knew. And the mission just is incredible, right? It's to protect against misinformation, disinformation, what we call narrative attacks. That's impacting the world, right? Whether it's elections or the, the wars that are going on, or it's impacting every company out there. And cyber criminals and hackers and bad actors are using misinformation, disinformation to impact those organizations. And to me, that really hit me hard. I'm like, I want the world to be a better place. I want it to be a better place for my kids. Misinformation, disinformation really, really are bad things that are getting worse because of the use of AI. And if I can have an impact on that, then that's what I wanted to put my, my whole life into when I go join a new role. So yeah, mm -hmm. I'm starting from the beginning, but the beautiful thing about Blackbird is that they have an amazing number of stories. Just no one was telling them in a way that people could learn from them and hear from them. And that's what we've been focused on, focusing on is telling these stories to educate people to say, these are the true risks out there. This is a new threat vector that companies need to think about. And then I build a marketing plan around that to go tell the world about it. So you can do that with a small team uh, and at the same time, be very impactful to the company. Yeah. So you were the first loan marketer and then you brought on two others. And what do the other two people do? And how do you divide up all the roles and responsibilities? Yeah. So the first hire to me was content, content, content. So I brought on a very senior level uh, writer, producer, wonderful human being that's been been out there. And I've known him for a couple of years. I was excited to be able to bring him on. And that's what we've been focused on is creating content, blog posts, publishing findings and reports to educate the world. And that to me mm -hmm. was the number one priority. The number two was to bring on someone who's really been out there and done a lot around demand generation, a very senior leader in demand generation and being able to tell the story in a way, in a beautiful way that people respond to. So those are the two folks that I wanted to bring on first. Content to me was it's king. And then if you find a way, the best way to go tell all of those folks about it, that that's what demand generation does. So mm -hmm. small but mighty team. And uh, there's a lot more coming from us. I'm a pre pretty excited to show you what's coming next. Yeah, that's great. That That's an interesting division of labor. And I would agree that getting great content great built content. and having someone who can distribute it and in front of the right audience, the right messaging is equally important. That distribution is still king. Or if, if content is king, then distribution is the queen maybe. But these two things are still the critical aspects of success. Exactly. And then you know, I do everything, right? I do, whatever it takes in my mind to help the company be successful, whether it's the most tactical effort or the most strategic, I try to bring everything I can to the table from all my learnings. And uh, again, whatever it takes to help the company be successful for sales, the executive team, and to help tell the world the story, you know, it's, it's you've got to do it in a creative way with small budgets and do it in a way that stands out because there's so much noise out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, again, what my marketing playbook's all about. Yeah. So you're, you're back in the seat of a scrappy startup with a small budget. And I imagine that you've had in your previous roles budgets that are exponentially greater than the budget that you have today. 
How is it to make that adjustment? What are the challenges and constraints when you go from a, I don't know, let's assume that you've, you've had budgets of 50 times greater than you have today or 100 times. How do you scale that back and still have an impact on, in the right areas? Yeah, I think the key thing is focus, right? And, you know, you could do 50 things with a much larger budget. We'll do 20 things with the budget that I have and do those 20 things very, very well. And mm -hmm. that helps. And to me, that content and creating, you know, these posts and research and educating the market is king. You can do that affordably and effectively today. Uh, and you do it with smart people. You also do it with smart tools that are AI based. And that way you can be very, very productive on those low budgets, right? And then you also try to work with partners who are also trying to reach that target audience and you leverage their budget budgets, right? It's just being very creative, but very focused and ensuring that every penny you spend is going to have some type of ROI or some type of learning to get better, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we are mostly targeting the Fortune 2000, so we know exactly who we want to engage with. And so mm -hmm. our ABM strategy, where we know exactly, you know, who the personas are, what companies they're involved in, what are the things that they're worried about in their use cases, understanding their intent. That way we can be very focused in our message and that way we can be very effective with mm -hmm. limited dollars. And it's just also being creative and, you know, thinking about different ways to engage. And, you know, we've come up with some pretty good ideas in the playbook to be able to do that to stand out. Mm -hmm. Let's let's dig into the strategy and the persona a little bit here, because before any real content strategy can be set, there needs to be a clear understanding and definition of who are we serving. My understanding is that you all are an emerging category in cybersecurity, but still targeting a, a technical role, uh, such as a chief information, information security officer, CISO, or maybe a CSO, chief security officer. Is that, is that persona or has, it, has that changed at all, given the fact that the, the nature of these attacks are a little less technical, maybe more AI? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, we are, yes, we serve the cybersecurity market. Yes, we serve chief communication officers and chief risk officers. And even sometimes the CEO, like this is now an yeah. executive level conversation, especially because the World Economic Forum just published their Global Risk 2024 report just two weeks ago at Davos, and they named misinformation, disinformation as the number one global risk to organizations across the globe. Right? Mm -hmm. And now people are finally realizing this is a massive problem and it's a big threat vector and they have no visibility into and that's where we're getting a lot of inbounds from all of those different personas to say, we need help because this is something mm -hmm. we, we have no visibility into. Matter of fact, one customer that we work with on a global scale said we were hopeless about this topic of misinformation, disinformation until we started to work with you, Blackbird. And that, those are just beautiful things that we can say, look, we're really having an impact. Yeah. So you're right. You have to know the personas. You have to know who would be interested in this. We learned that new things every day. But the first 60 days that I joined the company, that was my goal, is to go and talk to as many of those people as possible in different roles to understand, mm -hmm. are they aware of the problem? Do they know something can be done about it? What are their pain points? Then that way we can build the right content for them to be helpful. And if yeah. you have the right personas, the right message, then build the right content to help them, then you're on a good path. Yeah. This is really fascinating for me. I see two different possible personas here. There's a tech, maybe a technical persona 
who has traditionally looked after protecting the organization from highly technical cyber attacks and hacks that are looking to either extract ransoms or otherwise do harm, but people that are looking with people with, with technical skills, using them in very harmful, evil ways to, to get money or to get uh, some other type of ransom. And that's the classic cybersecurity persona that I imagine. But now you've got a PR communications leader who has to protect against the a narrative hijacking or, or misinformation, disinformation. And that's a different team. And it's a non-technical team, a non-technical persona. And I, I just wonder how organizations are thinking, who is the who is the bad guy in a narrative attack? It, it doesn't have to be if someone with technical skills looking to get a ransom. It could be a competitor who's simply trying to eliminate you. Is it different? Is the bad guy different here? That's a great question. And, and to your point, there are technical people who use our product. And then there are some very more topical people and personas that, that aren't technical that use mm -hmm. our product as well. And that's where we give the, them the choice of both, right? So we have... Mm -hmm a way what we call, when we just announced a product called Narrative Feed that gives you a simple view of here's all the narratives that are coming out about your company. Here are what's being said. Here are the sources of where it's coming from. Here are the platforms where it's coming from and gives them an idea of who's behind it. So that way they can be better at making a decision, strategic decisions on mm -hmm. what to do to respond to some of these harmful narratives, right? Uh, it could be something that they want to respond to because the narrative is completely false and that they want to set the record straight. Or it mm -hmm. could be something that, you know, it's more complicated than that. So understanding the narrative, say, at the chief communication officer and the PR part of it in a simple and easy way to understand the, the, how risky this is to the organization is critical. Mm -hmm. And then for those that want to dig a lot deeper, they can dig, they can double click, triple click down to get a lot more information about what these narratives are and what's going on and who's behind them. So that's why mm -hmm. we kind of, we, we've set it up to uh, our offer narrative feeds and what we call our constellation dashboard to be able to offer both so that it's mm -hmm. very comfortable for really anyone to be able to access the information that they need. And that's critical. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's also why we've partnered with PR agencies. One of them is Weber Shanwick. They are one of the largest PR agencies in the world, and they have you know, a lot of crisis or members of their organization that are helping companies during moments of crisis, and they are offering our product to help in those situations. Mm -hmm. So those are kind of going back to the partnerships that I mentioned, is you can scale your offering and your reach by working with partners who need your product, who, who their customers need their, your product, and that they already have a relationship with. And that, that mm -hmm. to us is a great route to market to help be successful. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fascinating, the, the crossover between the technical side and the non-technical side. I imagine that now, maybe 10, 15 years ago or 20 years ago, companies, especially Fortune 2000s, would have some version of uh, Google Alerts, where every day they would just see how many, where are we mentioned in the news, keep tabs on that. And now it seems like what you're doing is getting real intelligence into that into each of these narratives and saying, well, now there is a prevailing narrative about your company. There's a story that came out, maybe from a reputable source like the New York Times, but there are players that are trying to hijack that narrative, either blow it out of proportion or maybe even twist it into something more negative than it really is. And here's the level of risk, the reputational risk, I mean, and maybe you all try to quantify that in some way. Is this how you all are taking it three, four, five steps further than just a Google alerts kind of a feed? News. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Like social listening also, it's, you know, that listens for different tweets or posts, right? And it's a long list of things. So what the pain points that we discovered when we had early conversations with customers is was taking them hours and hours and hours to sort through every one of these and trying to understand how are they related? You know, how are they connected? Are, are there cohorts? Is it bot-related information? You know, where is it coming from? Who's behind it? Like you said, is it a competitor or is it a nation state? Or is it, you know, some type of, you know, very... Uh, big activist that's trying to bring the company down, or is it someone trying to impact the stock price, right? Ma manipulate yeah. the stock price. Yeah. So there's lots of different bad actors and they have lots of different reasons why to do it. The challenge before Blackbird came to market was it was a manual approach to try to go through thousands and thousands of tweets and posts to understand, hey, is there a pattern here? Through what our narrative feed is in our Constellation dashboard, you're able to visualize those patterns and see, ah, these narratives are, you know, this one single narrative is being used and it's coming from one person. There's bot influence and it's spreading to 100,000 users, right? That, mm -hmm. that information is critical and to be able to understand who's behind it. And then it helps you make better decisions about what your next steps should be. Yeah. And that's what's powerful about our, our solution. And in today's world, when a post can blow up, a single post can blow up to a million views within an hour, right, that's really challenging to do in a manual way. With what we do, you can do it in a real-time way, and it, yeah. it helps you be more prepared for these type of attacks. And I suppose that it can help you respond in a matter of hours instead of days. And then that, that difference can be massive, right, in terms of the... Exactly right. And you can respond with a much more educated response. Right. Versus guessing as to what the narrative is. Right. Mm -hmm. you know, one of the biggest ones that every everybody talks about is Bud Light. Right. And they lost twenty eight billion dollars worth of value because of the marketing campaign that was put in place. And they were trying to do the right things, but it was taken the wrong way by lots of different uh, user groups in it. And mm -hmm. it blew up on them. Right. And it impacted them in a significant way in a very, very short period of time. If They'd understand more of what those narratives were behind it. They they would have been more prepared. And that goes for any company out there that has been attacked by misinformation, disinformation, what we call narrative attacks. Yeah. yeah. Now, a quick word from our sponsor. The Paris Talks Marketing Show is affiliated with Hop Online, a performance marketing agency focused on high growth SaaS and other recurring revenue-based companies. If you like the flow of this conversation, you may want to consider jumping on a discovery call with someone at Hop Online. A discovery call is similar to my podcast interviews in a lot of ways. We'll get to know your business goals, competitive landscape, and marketing needs. And you'll almost certainly come away with some new ideas for how to accelerate your customer and revenue growth. If you're interested, go to hop.online, that's hop, H-O-P, dot online, and book a discovery call with one of our strategists today. Now, back to the episode. When you mentioned stock price manipulation, I just had a glimpse of a whole new mention here, short sellers could basically set up fake news and deep fakes to take down to take down stock price just to short sell it temporarily. And then even even if that story washes away in one or two days, they, they with AI image generation and it's coming soon as video as well, that adds so much more you have you have these other media types that can take us traditionally fake news was just news. It was text stories that were false. But now you can fuse those with images, video to back that up and, and give it more fake credibility, which makes it all the more harmful. 
Are you also looking at how to detect what is AI generated, whether it's AI generated images that are sitting alongside a news story or, or something else or video? Yeah, it's a great question. The way we look at it is the answer is yes. It's the, but the key thing is, is it turned into a narrative? If mm -hmm. if something's created and nobody watches it, it's not really going to impact anyone. But if all of a sudden that starts to scale and become harmful, that's mm -hmm. when it gets on our, our radar and we're able to say, hey, this is something that's coming up. You need to be paying attention to this and watching this, right? So that's when it scales and becomes harmful. That's that's the piece that people are worried about. But yeah, I mean, deep fakes, whether it's video, there's audio, there's images, there's text, right? All of these things can be manipulated now and be done pretty easily because of AI. So that's where there's concern. But at the same time, uh, there's lots of opportunity. Like our company name is Blackbird.ai because we leverage AI to be more responsive and be able to be very much more smarter to be able to see these narratives in real time. So that way it's used to protect the world. Mm -hmm. And we're able to do things that we weren't able to do before because of AI. And it makes it much more efficient, effective and pulling in data points from across the internet in a very, very efficient, effective way. Mm -hmm. It may, enables us to provide a service to help protect against these type of attacks. So there's very much good points of AI. It's in everything that we do, but it's also in the hands of bad actors. It could be very damaging as well. Yeah. I can see that you all have embraced AI within your own company, and, and I can see it on the website, on the blog. Can you tell me a bit about how you all have used AI for productivity gains and to be more efficient at this main deep three that you have? Yeah. Well, first of all, it's the content that you mentioned. You know, we're using our Constellation Narrative Intelligence Platform, it's AI-driven, so that way all the data that we're able to see and able to publish, a lot of it is AI-driven, right? And a lot of the findings, and, and that way we're discovering things that we couldn't normally without it. So all of that content uh, is benefiting from, from AI. We also have what we call our Raven Narrative Intelligence and Research Team. So there's a big human element of what we do who's also you know going through all of these findings and, and all the publishing and writing to make sure we're going through it and publishing in a way that's responsible and that it it tells a strong story and it's educating the world about it. And the human hand is still very much a part of it. From a marketing perspective, similar type of thing. Like we have, there's things that we need to do from a writing perspective. We may use AI to start with a baseline to understand, are we learning? Are there things that we could add to our story that could be more valuable? And then our writers, like, you know, one of the team members that I mentioned, then goes and turns it into very personal stories that are very impactful, that are very real, that are very factual. And, and that way we can be more efficient at it. And it's the same thing with images. If you go to the, the blog at blackbird.ai, images that we're creating, we're feeding, hey, here are the key words about this blog that we're going to post. And then from that, it creates an image. And then we work mm -hmm. over and over again to get it to where we want it to be. And it's done within minutes versus you would take hours or days to get it done in the past. So we're much more efficient in being able to create content that I think is more powerful, is more inclusive of more types of you know content that we might not have been able to think before. Yeah, and there's our website. I'm pulling it up for, for those who might be watching the YouTube video podcast. I mean, I think it's, it's kind of ironic that we're recording this uh, day that this major disinformation, um, it really, it's a, it has a personal brand attack uh, on Taylor Swift. And I can see it at the top of your, of your website here. 
And um, I guess everybody knows about this story now. It's, it's really unfortunate. But these images are completely AI-generated and, uh, and just really very, very disturbing. Yeah. We had done a, a piece. We were working on a piece about her um, because of all the misinformation, disinformation about her and her relationships and things like that out there across the Internet. And then, you know, the news hit yesterday. So we, you know, added some thoughts around that. And you're right. It's very, very unfortunate and damaging and it's terrible. I mean, we're all major Taylor Swift fans. I've been been to her concerts and things like that. What what is amazing about what what has happened? It's obviously very terrible, but the the Swifties that are are supporting her are creating counter narratives and that's what we talk about. Like if there are harmful narratives out there, there's ways to be able to understand what those are and then you can create a counter narratives. And the Swifties out there are out there protecting her in a massive way. And turning the tide on a lot of these things. It's still really, really damaging and terrible. But if, if there are groups that, you know, want to share and create their own counter narratives to kind of help the situation, that can be done. And that's that's what's powerful about these types of things that can happen out there. So yeah. we just felt, hey, she's one of the biggest brands out there. And again, to educate people on the problem and what, what's out there around narratives, many of them can be harmful. Many of them could be positive too. And that also helps brands understand what are the positive narratives about their company and what are, what are customers and people saying about it. So it goes both ways. But to be able to really understand what those narratives are as quickly as possible, you're able to react to them in the best way. And you know that's what's happening with, with Swifties coming in the support of Taylor Swift. Yeah, you don't mess with the Swifties. This is a, this is a strong group and they're Large in number and and with a lot of skills, uh, but but I think this is this is a precursor of what's to come, and, and this is an election year now, and there's already a story that I read about a fake. Uh, there was a voice AI AI voice that was to write in his Republican not primary ballot in New Hampshire, I think it was or Iowa, but it, but anyway, I mean I think that we're at the very beginning of this. It's going to be interesting interesting year ahead selection. Yeah, yeah. There's certainly you know. There's no lack of topics, uh, especially with, you know, elections across the globe and, you know, multiple wars and, you know, all the things that are going on, you know, in the economy and, you know, all, all different types of differences and, and discussions out there. So, you know, this is this year is it's going to go very fast. Let me say that in multiple ways. And there are so many uncertainties. And that's what draws out a lot of these narratives that that people mm -hmm. are spreading, whether it's for their own personal financial advantage or just to disrupt things or to influence things. And, and that's why this year, and again, I go back to the World Economic Forum saying this is the number one global risk in 2024. Yeah. Let's come back. I'm, I'm now on your blog and I can see the, the AI images here. And, yeah. and I think this is, you all are reacting super fast to the Taylor Swift um, disinformation. No, you mentioned that there's a research team that's driving a lot of the original stories behind the blog. I think that's a great content strategy. So tell me if I've got this right. You're actually researching narrative, potential narrative attacks, and you're surfacing that in the form of blog posts. And that's, this is not about your clients or people that you work with, but these, this is stuff that's out there that you can, that your tools are capable of detecting, and you're putting a spotlight on on narratives that are potentially narrative attacks or situations about the whole concept of narrative attacks. Is, is that right? Yeah, 100%, 100%. And what's beautiful is that this team, the Raven Narrative Intelligence team, it's made up of specialists from AI, from 
data science, from you know different parts of of history of working for agencies. They they have tremendous backgrounds. They have mm -hmm. multiple languages that they support, so they're able to analyze things. It's a very diverse group as well. They're able to analyze a lot of this content and be able to publish things that I think are very meaningful. I think that's the most important thing is if you're going to publish content, it has to be meaningful to your customer, to your persona. Mm -hmm. And that way they're going to say, wow, you one, you're smart. You know what you're doing. It seems like you're being helpful. I want to talk to you because we have this problem. So if you're publishing content that's meaningful, that's helpful, that's going to help them do their job better, that's, to me, the, the magic in content and doing it right. Yeah. I think there's, there's a hidden lead gen strategy here too, and maybe you're doing it, which is that if you can identify a narrative attack that's happening at a Fortune 2000 company, they might not be on top of, and you publish it on the blog, well, they're going to see that and you can share it with them. And then you've got... Basically, you've got that conversation already started because you've helped them become aware of their own problem, and then you're right there in the position to help solve it. Yeah, we do a lot. We, I mean, there's a lot that we don't publish that we do share with prospects and customers because mm -hmm. there's a sense of urgency or criticality to it, and, and we do that as well. Like We reach out to a lot of companies and say, hey, just want to make sure you are aware of this. This is something that might impact you. And we're here to help you if this is something that is of interest, right? And mm -hmm. we do it carefully. We do it with, you know, integrity. You know, we're not out there just blatantly trying to just say, hey, this happened, this happened, this happened. And the scare tactic, no, it's about informing them that there's an issue and that, hey, if they do need our help, we're happy. We're there for them to support them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How are you all growing now in terms of logos? Are people coming to you inbounds or... Do you have an outbound function? Is there any other, is there paid media driving some of the acquisitions or what does the whole marketing mix look like? Yeah, I mean, it's a great mix of both. You know, we are doing some outbound, just educating and, you know, campaigns that's, that are highlighting, you know, a webinar that we're doing with one of our, our friends in PR from Edelman, which is a big PR agency. And the other member of that webinar is from the U.S. Postal Service. So we're promoting a place where people can come in and, and learn through a conversation with some very smart and educated people about what the problem is, right? So there's a, a good amount of outbound that's going out there to give people a chance to learn. At the same time, we are getting a lot of inbound, especially, again, because of the World Economic Forum announcement about everything you see in the news today. If there is a narrative attack on an organization, that's when they say, that's when they reach out to us and they say, can you help us? Um, they're starting to hear about us from our customers. We serve, you know, again, a lot of number, a lot of members of the Fortune 2000 and national security interest. And the word's starting to get out about Blackbird and, hey, this company's got something pretty valuable. And uh, we're trying to earn that respect every day and trying to earn their, you know, support and trust every day. Yeah. Well, you all seem to be blazing a trail of a new category within... I don't know if it's within cybersecurity or if it's adjacent to cybersecurity. Category creation is a double-edged sword because you are you might not have a lot of competitors right now, so you have an opportunity to create the category and own the category in the future, and hopefully you will. But then creating that category means that there is an awareness. If I go to Google and I search for narrative attack, which I did, and I did the keyword research on that, really there are no searches right now. People are not Googling narrative attack. They are Googling misinformation, disinformation. Exactly. But if narrative attack is the key word that, that you want to own over the next few years, 
and you want to make that something that people are aware of, that's quite a quite an ambition. You're exactly right. And this is something, again, going back to my experience, I've built categories before and it doesn't happen overnight, right? It takes time. It takes effort and content and just, you know, being steadfast around it. But I think this is something that more and more people are starting to talk about it, right? You're right. Misinformation, disinformation, that's a main part of our message. And that's what a lot of people are, are searching for. And we're, you know, very much in the discussion around those type of things. Uh, narrative intelligence is we believe what the category is. And I think, you know, we're an AI company, we're in the AI space, but like it is very relatable and there are budgets in both the PR communication side and the cyber side that are looking to solve this problem. So, you know, what's great about this is that we're not going in a space where, you know, people don't have budget, they're pulling it from different parts of their organization. One of the really unique things that we're hearing that's happening with many of these organizations is they're creating what they call it a fusion center, where they're worried about these type of attacks. They have members of disparate teams who are trying to solve these problems on their own in silos. They're now coming together once a month and talking about, okay, if these type of things happen to us, like happen to our competitors, to our industry, or just to a big company, how would we approach this? So in that fusion center is the CISO, it's the chief risk officer, it's the chief communication officer, the CMO could be somebody from legal and they could report up to the CEO, Here, here's our readiness plan and here's what we're doing to be better protected for it. So that's where a lot of this is coming together and, and it's coming together fast. Like two years ago, was this a priority for a lot of companies? The answer would be no. Uh, I would say right now it's in their top three if it's not their top one. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons is that there's not only false text now that can circulate, but there are images and videos that can be created, which can be steered into the into the minds and imaginations of customers, stakeholders. And that's the really scary part, because even if you later realize that what you saw was fake, well, you still saw it. You can't unsee it in a lot of ways. You know, you, you were psychologically impacted in some way by that. Even if, at, even at the moment, if you knew it was fake, you're still looking at it and uh, it triggers an imagination that just can't do. And uh, that's, that's the scary part. It is, it is. And that's, you know, it is, it's all about perception, right? And if you, your perception can be influenced by these things, that's, you know, that's the challenge here. The good thing is, again, what we're doing with a lot of our customers that are able now to react very quickly because they're able to see it as these things start to scale up so that they can try to get ahead of it and minimize the impact to their business and come up with a counter narrative, right, that could potentially, you know, make their business stronger. Right? And that's yeah. that's what we're working with a lot of organizations with to help them. Do you all work with, with governments at all? We, we, we started out of the... Department of Defense uh, in the U.S. So it was where part of our history, um, but we're helping lots of different organizations. I would say around national security with all that's going on in the world. You know, can't share more details around that, but there's a lot of harmful narratives going around, and that 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 also is something that we feel we can help the world with by sharing. Hey, these are the harmful narratives out there, and and letting the organizations we work with understand what those narratives are, so that they can take the right actions. And yeah, that, that's yeah. the important thing we're trying to do there. Well, I, I imagine down to the very local government level, a city government or a town, could, there's uh, also bad narratives going around at every level of government, potentially. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. It's a massive problem. They they say that's about $78 billion a year is caused by harmful attacks like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's impacting like market value and profits and things like that. So it's a massive problem. And that's where, you know, we're, we're trying to help as many people as we can. Yeah, this, this is a fascinating new category, narrative intelligence. It's, I, think, I think this is a natural progression of PR and communications in the age of AI. Yeah, exactly. And it's also, there's been threat intelligence on the cybersecurity side for a long, long time and many, many players there. This is very different, when, but it's called narrative intelligence. So I would say, you know, it's a cousin to it. Mm-hmm. So that's where, you know, social listening only goes so far. Threat intelligence only goes so far, and everyone's realizing there's a big gap in between, and that's what narrative intelligence is, and that's what we focus on. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a great vision of the founders to see that gap and to see that there was a need or a void that needed to be filled between threat intelligence and social listening. As you said, those tools have been out there for, for more than 10 years, probably. But they, yeah, they have their limits, and things like sentiment analysis are before AI have been very crude, I think, and haven't really been on mass adoption. Right. And that's why those, many of those social listening companies are our partners. We have a relationship with Meltwater that we publicly announced a while back. And, you know, the, that's how, you know, we're expanding the way that we can go and engage with, with different customers. Same thing with PR agencies like Weber Shanwick, right? And we're, we're doing the same thing on the cyber side. So, you know, it's uh, it, the, everyone's realizing there's a big, big gap. And you were like you said, our two founders, Wasim and Nishad, they are brilliant and they're they're great human beings. And another reason why I joined this company is just the culture. And everybody's here because of the mission of the mission to, you know, protect the integrity of the Internet and, and of communications and, you know, this mission to stop misinformation, disinformation. And that's a very passionate group. And to be a part of that, we're, you know, 60 team members across the globe and the impact that we're having. And again, going back to that one customer, a very big global national customer saying we felt hopeless about this problem until we started to work with you. That's the kind of impact that these small startups can have. And to me, mm-hmm. that's why I'm so excited to be a part of Blackbird.ai. Yeah, that's great. Well, as, as we wrap up here, Dan, is there anything else that I didn't ask you that you think could benefit our audience? I mean, I think from a marketing perspective, you know, it's up to us to going back to the the myth that we talked about to do the right thing, to build trust, to have integrity in our message and our story and to believe in what we do. And like you said, if if you're in a job that doesn't have that, try to go find one that does, right? That should be the goal. And from that, you learn a lot. In my view, you work really, really hard. That's what I've done throughout my career and had a lot of great successes for a lot of other people, which is wonderful to see. Uh, And at the same time, I've built a lot of friendships over the years and friends from 30 years ago, people who work for me, who I work for them, we're still very much engaged and those relationships matter the most to me. And I know I can count on them at any time. So the thing is, especially in the startup world, you work incredibly hard. It's a huge commitment and sacrifice and the like. But at the same time, you know, you have fun doing it. And that's the goal is like, we're working so hard, you gotta have fun too. And if you combine those things, that ends up being a great career. And if you can impact these companies in a very positive way, it could help a lot of people. And to me, that's what it's all about. That's great. Well, Dan, this has been a lot of fun and 
For any, anybody that's listening that, that is thinking about their narrative, be sure to check out Blackbird and, and get in touch with those guys before before an incident happens and not after, because I think that being proactive here is the key, not reactive. Right, Dan? Yep, absolutely. So yeah. if you can get ahead of it, you're in a much stronger position to be able to do something about it. Yeah. All right, well, have a great day, Dan. It was great talking to you today. All right, Paris. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Another great episode in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get notified when future episodes drop, be sure to subscribe to Paris Talks Marketing on your favorite podcast player. And to learn more about our growth marketing agency, visit hop.online. That's hop, H-O-P dot online. Have a great day.